Hey, really good friends. This episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself. Hello, Hello. and welcome to Historically Really Good Friends, a queer history podcast. I'm Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblow. I have a secret to tell you, Jared. Oh my goodness, right away, right off the bat, a secret must be told. Yes, so last week's episode, which Mm -hmm. was episode 47, so 47 weeks, Mm -hmm. um, was the first time I did not read the intro script (laughs) when we (laughs) recorded it. Wow. Right? I am very proud, but also a little ashamed, which is why it's a secret. Well, not anymore. Not We're anymore. telling the people <laughs> what they need to know. Did you read it this week just now? I did. I did. So um, what was what was the, the shift from what happened last week that you didn't read the script and then what happened this week that you felt like you were shaky that you needed to go <laughs> sure, back to sure. it? <laughs> sure, fair questions. So last week, it's because... So each week we have a script, another mm-hmm. secret for you all, if you couldn't tell already. <laughs> we we do script this. Mm-hmm. And so I did not have it on my script because it was your week. So I didn't have a script. Sure. Um, so <laughs> no, I, you wrote a script for my week just to follow along. <laughs> right. So so I, I was just staring at your lovely face and I was like, you know what? It's been 47 weeks. You can say three lines, one of which is your name. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would hope. One of which is your name, the other of which is hello, you mm-hmm. really have to say, one, let's see, one, two, three, four, five words. Five which, words. Okay. I'm not going to judge you if that was hard for you, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were able to do it at, at least once without yeah, reading the script. Yeah, once, because yeah, this week I got a little scared. Right. Last week you were like, that was that was it. I used up all of my brain power and That's now it. I have to go back to, to reading a script. That's it. I was a little, I took the training wheels off and I was a little Mm -hmm. wobbly. So instead of Mm -hmm. pushing through, I'm just throwing those training wheels right back on. Right. You saw the training wheels in the garage and you were like, well, you know what? I have them. Like, might as well. I deserve them. them. Why? Why? Right. I've had a long week. Right. Exactly. Have you had a long week? I have. I cannot believe we are recording this on a Thursday evening. And. I'm pretty sure like my brain just thinks it was Saturday, that I don't have to mm-hmm. go into work tomorrow, that I didn't have work today, even False. though I did mm-hmm. definitely well, I was at the office. Um so, can't say that I worked, but I was okay. at I was at work. <laughs> okay. I sure. was physically present there. Mm-hmm. So yes, it has been a long week. How about yourself? Has it been I a agree. short week, a long week? Has the week been the same length as every other week ever? You know what? The well, that's the that's the thing. Is that mm. With time and dates, like how, like we're certain that this is a Thursday. We're certain that you know the days no, haven't. That. Someone, someone at some point didn't lose count and was like, mm, it, it, "It's a Friday. It's, it's a Friday. It doesn't matter. It's a Friday." And we just went from that. Don't I mean, do like, that. But you know, you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, time's an illusion. Well, that's Horrifying. what I'll say about that. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, this week has been the same length as every other week of my life. Um, mm seven days it has felt like 12 years i Mm -hmm. am clawing myself crawling through the mud under barbed wire you know like in a a tough mudder i am or cadet kelly in cadet i'm i am cadet kelly i'm kelly and cadet kelly dragging myself to the finish line and okay it's it's a bit of a struggle 
here. You got this, but it's in it's in your sights. Oh my gosh, I'm like driving through a tunnel. I'm crawling through mud. Now I'm driving mm-hmm. in a tunnel and I see the light at the end of that tunnel. Yes, you do. You are you are right there. I'm so close and the weekend is going to be so low key. I'm not going to do a thing. It's going to be so I'm nice. I'm so happy for you. I am not in the same situation, but I'm really thrilled for you. But do you want to hear another secret? Because secret secrets are no fun unless, unless you, share you share with, with everyone. everyone. Secret everyone. secrets are fair play. Mm? Tell them, tell them every day. Never heard that part before. I just made it up. Wow, good rhymes. Thank you so much. You're yes, so I would. Welcome. I would like to hear. So, um, I know I've made friends references before, and I know that they're outdated. Um, yes. thank you for validating that um but one of my great fears um because you've talked about time being an illusion there's an episode of Mm -hmm. friends where one one of them realizes that they are a year older than they thought they were rachel and no phoebe because she's a twin sister so she goes to see her twin sister and her twin she's like happy 30th birthday and the twin sister's like we're not 30 we're We're 31 31. (laughs) okay (laughs) and do you know how horrifying that would be yeah i think it would probably shake me a little bit i don't know if it would you know upend my life one you wouldn't be rattled to the core no i think more so i would be shaking that I had been lied to my whole life or that like someone didn't correct me at some, you know, like more so not like that. I lost a year, but like, what, what is everybody else in my life doing? Like, why, why am I just finding out now? (laughs) Why was someone else not able to keep track of my years? Right. Exactly. Well, (laughs) somewhere down the line, it was someone else's responsibility. Absolutely. At least in the beginning. Right. right. (laughs) Speaking about the beginning and speaking about time, did you know that there's a month, I think it's like October 1581 or something where, to get onto the Gregorian calendar that we are on now, the the month is like October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 18th, 19th, 20th. Like it skips like two weeks just to catch up to <laughs> the like new calendar. That makes no sense, but that's hilarious. They were like, let's wrap this shit up. We're moving on to the next one. Yeah, like October is over. We're done. Come on, keep it going. Um, but if you look back in your phone, I think... It's like October 1580 something. There's no way my Apple cell phone goes back that far. It does. Do it right now. I dare you. I'm going to because I literally do not believe you. Okay. Literally. Weird, weird distrust in me and your phone and calendars in general, I guess. So I just have to keep scrolling? Yeah. Well, what, what setting are you? Like, go out so you can see the years. Yeah, 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 and just keep scrolling. Okay, I'm in 1887. I guess you're right, because if it's gone that far, why wouldn't it? Just keep going. 1580, try 1581. I feel like it's... 1581, here we go. Look at October. October. No, regular dates. All right, hold your horses. Okay, all right, (laughs) we're going to figure this out. We're going to get to the bottom of this quickly within this intro. Okay, 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 okay. Everybody, I found it, okay? It took forever Googling, searching. I've probably cut out so much in between. I hope so. When you last heard us. I searched up the Google search when they shortened October. Okay. People, okay, so there's there's a Britannica article called 10 Days That Vanished, the switch to the Gregorian calendar. And it says 
The most surreal part of implementing the new calendar came in October 1582 when 10 days were dropped from the calendar to bring the vernal equinox from March. I messed up. I messed up because if you just look at the large view, all Uh of the numbers are there. But if you click on October, it is shortened. Rachel Jean Craig. I messed that up. Also, wonderful novel title. When... They, 10 Days Vanished. 10, 10 Days Vanished from October, mm-hmm. whatever you said. I was doubting myself for a hot second there. Yeah, you you did say a lot of different numbers. So I, and feedback for you, be more confident in your first choice. I'm not even sure that my first choice was 1582. Uh, yeah, okay. So feedback for me is <laughs> yeah. open the full calendar. Yeah, really dive into those details. Yes, yes. Um, the calendar says 1, 2, 3, 4, 15, 16, and so on till October 31st. Wild. Absolutely bananas. Since we dived into the details, since dove. we dove into the details, I was mm-hmm. going to say, since we dove into the details of the Gregorian calendar, which, wow, what a comeback from Asparagus Stories last week. Yes. I mean, really <laughs> riveting intros. Why don't we dive into the details of your story? Honestly, it only took 48 weeks to have such a flawless transition, Jared. That was Which wonderful. I was doing mental gymnastics in my mind, trying to think, how can I connect A to B, B to C, and C all the way down to Z? You know, it's like... Well, you know what? You stuck the landing, so keep up Tens those across the board. mental gymnastics. Yes. Great. Today's story is going to be about Natalie Clifford Barney. Now, do you know anything about... Miss Natalie. She has three first names. Honestly? Wow. How did you know? Because you said her name and I listened. Crazy. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. You're so welcome. So, yes. We're off to a great start. Natalie Clifford Barney does have three names. Confirmed. So, Here on the Confirmed. Pod. So some sources I used to tell the rest of her story mm-hmm. include the Queer Portraits in a History page dedicated to Natalie Clifford Barney. The Legacy Project, Chicago's nominee bio for Natalie Clifford Barney. Amazon Empress and Friend, The Life of Natalie Clifford Barney by Kieran Robertson for the Gay Ohio History Initiative. Mm-hmm. And finally, as always, true trusted source, Natalie Clifford Barney's Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Good old wiki. So I want to say too, this is a good one to check out our Instagram because before we started oh. recording, I said... Natalie Clifford Barney is hot. Mm-hmm. So you got to check her out. Right. Um, Historic, our, by historical standards and modern day standards, I would say. Not she to has objectify like, this woman, but she's no, hot. She is. She has like a hairstyle and a style, just a general sense of style that is mm-hmm. very captivating. And I yeah. just encourage people to give her a little look. A little look over. Just a little look. Yeah. So... Let's get into chatting about this absolutely hero sexy lady from Dayton, Ohio, Natalie Clifford Barney. Our hero sexy lady. Let's talk about her. (laughs) So as mentioned literally one second ago, Natalie (laughs) Clifford Barney was born in Dayton, Ohio Mm -hmm. in 1876 to some rich, rich ass parents. Can you tell me, and I don't know, I'm going to jump in with a question already. What's Dayton, Ohio like around this time? Is it all rich people? Is it plains is it uh farms what are we dealing with 
Honestly, I did not look that up. Um, (laughs) I did not look that up. Although she very quickly moves to Cincinnati, which is still kind of like a a more of a city-ish area. So that's going to be more of where the story takes place. So we can just forget. We can throw Dayton right out the window. She's a little farm girl going to a big city. Sure. Um, She's a very rich farm girl going to a big city. Sure. So Natalie moved. That was my next sentence. You just jumped right on it. Sorry. Natalie moved. So she moved from Dayton to the big city, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. The big pair. Pair. That's it. The big pair. That's it. Cincinnati, where a rich ass family would hang with their dogs, goats, alligators, somehow. I don't know. Also, parrots. Parrots. Mm hmm. And a Shetland pony named Trixie. Oh, Trixie the pony. Trixie uh, the pony. So can you expand mm-hmm. on they would hang with them? They would hang uh, out with? Hang out with. Hang out with them. They were their like pets. They were just in a big city with animals, just like it's, hanging about. It's also thoroughly confusing. This is one of those facts, like many <laughs> sources that was like, or like many stories, I should say, that was in one source. And I was like, that's an interesting fact. I'm going to believe it. Okay. I'm gonna choose. Trust. I'm gonna choose to believe that. But you know what? If if they're rich, I feel like yeah, they would be spending money on like weird animals right? just to like have and to hold. I agree. People do that all the time. And if mm-hmm. you're rich enough, you have plenty of space for it. Like right. I don't know. Plus, right. people in like Florida have alligators in their bathtubs. Like I guess. Yeah, I would. I would say Ohio is a little bit different <laughs> of a climate fair. than Florida. <laughs> but I mean, back in the what did you say? Eighteen. 18- uh, 1876 yeah in the 1876s you know <laughs> i don't know i don't know what the climate is like alligator wise in bathtubs in in cincinnati but we can choose to believe i will say bathtub climate is probably pretty universal between ohio and florida because we are indoors once you are in your bathtub sure i guess size and and material of the bathtub you know, sure. would uh differentiate climate but yeah yeah i guess that's true great But after all this hanging with her pets and Mm -hmm. riding her pony named Trixie, Mm -hmm. Natalie would be educated in the French language along with her sister. So she's just a very cultured young lady. Lovely. One of Natalie's earliest and most formative adventures was to New York where she had a literal run-in with Oscar Wilde. So she like physically like ran ran into into him. him. Ran into oh him. my gosh, she gets she gets off the train from the big pear to the big apple, instantly <laughs> runs into Oscar Wilde. Runs into Oscar Wilde, where she's just like she's summering in the big city, the of other course. big city. Right. Runs the into Oscar city. Wilde, mm-hmm. who like tells her stories and helps her find her mom. <laughs> which like okay. imagine modern day times like running into a celebrity in like a mall and they're like let me help you find your mom no like right bizarre that's kind of bizarre that's a fairy tale yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then once he found oscar wilde once he found her mom he encouraged her the mom to like further develop her writing and fine art he was like you should be an artist have you tried oh. that go be an artist go live your sure. life just from the five minutes I've known you, from the little yeah. journey we went on to find your mom, you seem like you should be an artist. Yeah, so like very encouraging, very sweet little Oscar Wilde cameo here. Okay, okay, great. So at 10, Natalie and her family moved to France, as rich people do, yeah. where 
Fun little fact for all my trivia heads out there, she saw a bidet for the first time and thought it was very funny. That's just a little fact for you. She was like, a bidet? Ha ha, hilarious. And how do we know this? (laughs) Did she write about it? Like, what is the documented proof that someone was like, Natalie saw a a bidet today? (laughs) I don't know what accent that was, but like, there were like journals. There were journals. Like, she was journaling her experience with her and her sister. So I guess they were like, ha ha, cracking up at a bidet. Amazing. So, the literature yeah. we need in this world. Yeah. So, this episode has so many cameos. First, we had okay. Oscar Wilde. Now, Eleanor Roosevelt, who was taught by the same teacher as Natalie when Natalie okay. was in France. Mary mm-hmm. Suvestra, yes, which that was. That's her teacher? Yeah. That, yes, Eleanor Roosevelt's in our episode. Yeah. Okay. How do you pronounce it? Because all I keep thinking of is Sue Sylvester. Uh, spell it for me. S-O-U-V-E-S-T-R-E. Yeah, that sounds right. How you said it. Suvestra? Sure. Suvestra? Sue Sylvester. (laughs) Sue Sylvester. I mean, doesn't Glee take place in Ohio? Uh, I think you're right. But this is in Paris. This is in France. Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. It goes on. in in nearing 1900. (laughs) Different time periods, different places. Different times. Right. After this time in France, about a year and a half, if you were wondering, the Barneys moved to Washington, D.C. and continued traveling around the U.S. One of those travel spots included Bar Harbor, Maine, where Natalie would meet her first girlfriend, Eva Palmer, at age 17. Hmm. From a wealthy family in the 19th and 20th century, it was assumed Natalie's destiny was to be a wife to a similarly wealthy husband. But Natalie was not at all going to do that. In fact, she moved to France with her first girlfriend, Eva. So pretty much the opposite of marrying a wealthy man. Wow. So she's really just like, I'm picking up. Goodbye. It was great knowing the US. I'm going Mm -hmm. back to Paris where I can be with my lesbian lover. Yes, that's exactly it. She's like, peace out. This is great. I'm going to France where I could be. Right. More authentic. Summer loving. Yeah. So... After her father's death in 1902, she vowed to never conceal her identity again because her family was a big driver in making her, because she writes that she knew she was queer and that she was a lesbian at a young age and that her family often would send her to these events where she was supposed to find a husband and all of these Mm -hmm. things, but she didn't want to find a husband. She told her family she was a lesbian. She was very open about these things. Mm -hmm. So, but they were kind of like, cover that up. We're wealthy. We're influential in the community. Like, None of that. Mm -hmm. But after her father's death, she says, quote, my queerness is not a vice, is not deliberate, and harms no one, unquote. Mm -hmm. So after that, she's like, I'm just going to live my freaking life. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no reason I shouldn't. So Eva and Natalie, who went to France together, eventually broke up, but it was not the Mm -hmm. last woman Natalie would be involved with. It has been reported that, quote, Natalie began courting women in earnest. When her mother left to visit her father in London, she left Natalie behind with a handful of cash and a promise to have her portrait painted. But a portrait never surfaced. Natalie would later admit, I spent all the money on flowers and presents for various ladies and what ladies they were. Oh, what ladies they were, for sure. The portrait thing reminds me of the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Have you seen it? I've never seen that movie, but they both say portrait, so they do both I see say the portrait. similarities. 
Well, the whole point of Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that the daughter of this wealthy woman is to have her picture, her portrait painted so that Mm -hmm. it can be shipped off to a man in Italy to see if he wants to marry her. But then she ends up falling in love with the painter herself and it's two women. But the whole purpose of probably the portrait is to help her get married to a man and find a suitable husband. And instead she's like... I'm going to go wine and dine my lady friends. Right. right. I'm going to blow this money on like flowers and chocolates or whatever else people are buying right now. Screw the portrait. Like. Right. Like I don't want that. I don't want that. No, I want to have fun and I'm young and you can't stop me. Right. So one of these women was Leanne de de Pouget. Leanne de Pouget. Mm. A famous Parisian courtesan. At 23, Natalie dressed as a page and presented herself to Leanne as a page of love sent by our next guest star, Sappho. So she like shows up at this woman's doorstep, dressed as a page, and she's like, I am your page of love sent to you by Sappho, which is- By Sappho herself. By Sappho herself, which is hilarious to me. That she's and just she, like cosplaying as a like. Why are you doing? What, what are you doing, girl? And she's just doing this because she's enamored with this other woman. Yes. So this woman is like a sex worker, essentially. At the time, she's okay. very famous and well known throughout Paris. And okay. she's um, Natalie's younger than Leanne, and Leanne's just like, oh, cute. You're mm-hmm. obsessed with me. Like that's and I cute. love that. So they do like get into a relationship that's kind of tumultuous but yeah i kind of love this just like devotion that like she shows she's like she saw her one time and was like i must show up at her doorstep which is a little weird it's a little weird but also i guess the unbridled confidence of it all is like i know she just if she just feels like she has everything figured out and sorted out in her life so i'm like yeah go get it tiger you know, yeah, she's on. like a she's a cool girl. She's yeah, like yeah, she's a cool she's a, girl. Of she's course. a very smooth like. She reminds me of the stories that we criminal. talked about <laughs> that we talked about with Kitty Genovese of her being just like mm. a cool like yeah. chill girl. You know how there was like the whole phone yes. call with her her girlfriend and like just very cool, very cool yeah. ladies. Yes. Now, despite being this cool, there is some speculation about what ended their relationship, the relationship mm-hmm. between Natalie and Leanne. But either way, it did not last despite this amazing devoted pickup technique. After the relationship at age 24, Natalie published a book of sonnets under her own name. And the twist of all this, the big revelation, is that the sonnets were lesbian love poems. Mm. So she published this in her own name and was like, I am a lesbian. I'm writing about loving women. And like, no one's going to question that. And they were published and she owned that. And were they well received? Yeah, and they still kind of are, which is interesting because when we talked about James Baldwin at the same mm-hmm. time, I was just thinking that there was issues with his writing being published in certain places in Europe. Right. And a lot of writers at this time ended up in France. We saw this with Oscar Wilde, we saw this with James Baldwin, that a lot of writing takes place in France because mm-hmm. of the more openness re same-sex writing or just Mm -hmm. queerness in general so natalie wanted to live a very romantic life she says this this is kind of her cool girl thing she's like i Mm -hmm. love writing poetry but i also just like want to live like a like a poet like i just want a poetic lifestyle who doesn't 
<laughs> I know. I, mean. I know. <laughs> so she has the life that we all dreamed of. Sure. She she opens a salon and just like all the other episodes where we say French mm-hmm. words, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's spelled like salon, but I don't no, think it's, it's pronounced yeah, it salon. Great. Salon, kind of like sure. a parlor, if you yeah. think of that. Okay. Okay. And it was at this salon potentially, mm-hmm. where people could come and talk about feminism, pacifism, lesbianism, poetry-isms, art-isms, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Some famous guests at the salon included Colette, Gertrude Stein, mm. and Truman Capote. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was like a pop in place. People would come and talk about all of these very like poetic things, just as she right. wanted. So in the salon, she was particularly fond of promoting female writers through her women's academy, and this gave women the opportunity to compete against the male-only French academy that focused on developing male writers of the time. Mm-hmm. So during World War I, when a lot of people were closing their salons to become um, like medical hospitals during wartime, Natalie mm-hmm. was like, Nah, gonna keep mine open um, because I'm a pacifist. So like, I don't believe in joining the war efforts. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, she kept her salon open. She began a relationship with fellow artist Romaine Brooks. The two would eventually be together for over 50 years until Romaine's death. Natalie was famously a lesbian, but also famously non-monogamous. So one of her other partners was Dolly Wilde, Oscar Wilde's niece, who also remained coupled with Natalie until her death. So yes, again, lots of cameos and lots of like Oscar Wilde appearances in Natalie's life. Yeah, bring him back. Yeah, exactly. So I think this was this is a great story because it really ties in so many different of our previous topics. Historically really good friends. Finally, her other lasting relationship included Elizabeth de Gramont, with whom Natalie attempted to marry with a homemade marriage contract, which I find very romantic and sweet. She was like, she was like, let's get married. I'm going to, I'm going to write up this marriage contract and we're married now. Yeah, and we're going to sign up. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. As stated by Queer Portraits in History, quote, after Barney's last book of poetry was published in 1920, she mainly wrote epigrams, which was an exclusively masculine literary form up until the time, and her memoirs, which I'm guessing is where we get the bidet story from. Uh, There we go. (laughs) (laughs) The case has been cracked. Right. In 1920, she released Thoughts of an Amazon, Her only novel, The One Who is Legion, actually a novel within a novel, concerns a suicide victim brought back to life as an intersex person Mm. who reads the book of her own life. Mm. Barney was a true feminist, a pacifist, an out lesbian who opposed monogamy and lived with great passion. She says, if I had one ambition, it was to make my life itself into a poem. Barney died at age 95 in the same house in Paris where she had lived and run her salon for decades. And that is just a little summary of Natalie Clifford Barney. Wow. Thank you for telling that story. She sounds like a badass woman. She is so impressive to me because, well, one, I didn't know anything about her, but mainly because she was able to live so authentically and so openly Mm -hmm. at the time and like not give a shit what people were thinking or saying. And she was just so confident and like, this is who I am. I'm living my life by who I am. I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm not going to hide who I am. Like I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to do it by all means, you know, my way Mm -hmm. or the highway kind of deal. Yes, she's wealthy. So there's 
you know, that aspect that plays into why she's able to do what she's able to do, right? Like when you were saying James Baldwin had similar issues getting his um his writings published, a big factor of that was also because he's he was black. So a lot of yeah. people were saying, Oh, well, you're black and gay, so you know, you can't really we're not gonna publish this. Right. Like no one wants to hear this story. Yes, she's right. a woman, but I think because she's white and has the money and mm-hmm. she's able to open her own place where kind of like arts can be born and discussions can thrive and you know it's just a little bit more open like she has the ability she has the accessibility she has the privilege to do a lot of these things it doesn't mean she's any less impressive because being a Mm -hmm. woman at the time especially being a queer woman at the time is no easy thing it's not a walk in the park so it's just impressive that she was able to lead the life that she wants to at a time where people were saying "Mm -mm, don't do that don't be you don't you know don't we don't want to hear from you like goodbye absolutely I think it's such a great point and I think it's super relevant because every article that I read about her did not exclude the fact that she was born into a really wealthy family and that she was Mm -hmm. very well connected and I think that was helpful in her being able to be as courageous as she could because she had some kind of safety net, right? Right. At least financially. And that to be more open, as we found, a lot of these writers moved to France. Well, she had the possibility to move to France and she was able Mm -hmm. to learn French as a child. And so I think those things like you brought up are really, really important to consider when we think about the accessibility of being open and out and Mm -hmm. we've talked about this in previous episodes but um i think it's it's important to consider when we think about who gets to live authentically and why um and it is great to hear the story of someone living authentically but with consideration for all of those factors as well right but i mean even with the consideration of all the factors she was still able to be open and be herself which Yes, she's has the privilege, but we, you know, we need those first people to mm-hmm. be that way to start normalizing it and to to you know bring it into the consciousness of of the common collective. So it's like, right. yes, while she has all these privileges and all these things, we still need the, the the people to take the first steps and kind of like lead the charge of just being open and being the, yourself. You know, so you know, half yeah. doesn't one the other. And- And who else is going to dress up as a page of love sent by Sappho? Uh, We need the bold moves of Natalie Clifford Barney in this world. If you take anything from this episode, do that. That's all we ask That's it. Next Halloween costume, I better see some pages of love. Oh, please. That's all I want. Well, thanks for your story. And I guess before we go, let's just throw it out there that Next week is our last episode of season two. We're already at the end of season two. After season two, we have one more pretty big, important announcement. So make sure you stick around till episode 50 uh, to hear from Rachel and I. But until then, we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to episode 48 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about the hero sexy lady, Natalie Clifford Barney. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes having pet alligators in your bathtub a little bit more fun. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening currently. And to see photos from this week's episode, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Really. Remember, we have one more episode left of season two and then a big announcement for episode 50, so make sure to stick around to hear from us then. 
We hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.